take just a moment and try to imagine what it might have been like to be in that crowd of terrified people on the shore of the Red Sea. There's no place to go, and you see Pharaoh's army rapidly approaching. How would you feel? This is the Bible Speaks to You podcast, episode 202. This week's topic is God Parts the Red Sea Today, Finding Freedom from Abuse. You're listening to The Bible Speaks to You podcast. I'm James Early, your host, and this is the place to be to rediscover the original Christianity of Jesus. Each week, we talk about how Jesus wanted us to think and act and pray and live our daily lives. And we dig down into the mindset of Jesus to discover how we can think and act like he did. The goal is to experience more of Jesus' promise that the kingdom of heaven is at hand. Hey there, and welcome again to the Bible Speaks to You podcast. This week's episode is going to be a little different It's going to be mostly a testimony of deliverance. I'm sure you're familiar with the story in the Bible when the children of Israel leave Egypt and begin their long journey into the wilderness toward the land of Canaan. The book of Exodus describes in great detail what happened that finally impelled the king of Egypt, Pharaoh, to let the Israelites leave. There are so many parts to this epic story. But right now, I want to focus on that moment of realization when the Israelites were on the edge of the Red Sea and saw Pharaoh's war chariots charging toward them. They felt trapped and were absolutely convinced they would be slaughtered. You can read this part of the story in Exodus chapter 14. I want you to take just a moment and try to imagine what it might have been like to be in that crowd of terrified people on the shore of the Red Sea. There's no place to go, and you see Pharaoh's army rapidly approaching. How would you feel? Would you have been one of the ones who complained to Moses? This is Exodus 14, 11, and 12. And they said to Moses, Why did you bring us out here to die in the wilderness? Weren't there enough graves for us in Egypt? What have you done to us? Why did you make us leave Egypt? Didn't we tell you this would happen while we were still in Egypt? We said, leave us alone. Let us be slaves to the Egyptians. It's better to be a slave in Egypt than a corpse in the wilderness. Now, I would like to think that if I had been there, I would have trusted God to protect me and everyone else, but realistically, I probably would have been afraid just like everybody else. But Moses was not afraid because he had heard God tell him what to do and what was going to happen. What Moses tells the people next is one of the most important parts of this story. This is Exodus 14, 
13 and 14, Moses told the people, Don't be afraid. Just stand still and watch the Lord rescue you today. The Egyptians you see today will never be seen again. The Lord himself will fight for you. Just stay calm. But God had a little bit different plan for the children of Israel than just to stand still passively and watch what he was going to do. In Exodus 14, 15, the Lord said to Moses, Why do you cry to me? Tell the children of Israel to go forward. God was requiring participation, not just observation. Now again, Imagine you were there and just heard Moses tell you to go forward. There was no possible way to go forward. You were right next to the Red Sea and you probably didn't even know how to swim. Pharaoh's army was coming from the other direction. There was no escape. But then the unexpected and unexplainable happened. God commanded Moses to stretch out his staff over the water. A strong east wind blew all night and parted the Red Sea. Then the Israelites walked through the seabed on dry ground. If you had been there, how would you have felt when you first stepped into where the water had been just a few hours earlier? How would you feel partway through? How would you feel when you got to the other side and then saw the waters come back together? It must have been an amazing experience. And you might think that the Israelites would never forget it and that it would increase their trust in God in future challenges. But unfortunately, it wasn't long before they were murmuring about not having enough food and water. And later, when Moses was up on Mount Sinai for 40 days talking to God, the people all too quickly forgot how God had protected them at the Red Sea and provided water, manna, and quail out in the middle of nowhere you would think they would remember what happened at the Red Sea. But they persuaded Aaron to make a golden calf, which they worshipped as their deliverer from Egypt. You can read that part of the story in Exodus chapter 32. Well, the story goes on for 40 years. The children of Israel slowly learned to trust God. And when I say slowly, actually I mean Over hundreds of years, thousands of years, the Israelites learned to put their trust in God. And we're still learning to trust God more today. But this story became part of their history, and they passed it down from generation to generation. When you read this story of God parting the Red Sea, do you ever wonder why God doesn't do these kinds of things today? Well, that's exactly what Gideon wondered during a time the Israelites were being overrun by the Midianites. When an angel appeared to Gideon and saluted him, saying, This is Judges 6, 12, The Lord is with you, mighty warrior. Gideon shot back, this is verse 13, If the Lord is with us, why has all this happened to us? Where are all his wonders that our ancestors told us about when they said, Did not the Lord bring us up out of Egypt? But now the Lord has abandoned us and given us into the hand of Midian. Have you ever asked that question? 
if God parted the Red Sea for the Israelites, if God did all those mighty works, both in the Old and New Testaments, why isn't he doing those things in our lives today? Can God still part the Red Sea today? Well, yes. Does he? Yes. It just looks a little different. Let me give you an example that happened just last week. This modern-day parting of the Red Sea took place over a period of about three years and culminated last week. My wife and I went to help a family member move from one state to another. About three years ago, this family member finally realized and admitted to herself she had to get out of an abusive relationship. She had been married for over 30 years. Her husband had been manipulative, controlling, and constantly belittled her. Because he isolated her from family, friends, and church members, no one knew how bad the situation was. He insisted on making all the important decisions since his theology assured him he was the head of the household, even though she was the only breadwinner and he hadn't worked, earned any money, or contributed any effort to the running of the household for over 15 years. This family member came to believe everything was her fault and was told that if she just prayed more and supported her husband, things would get better. But they didn't. Now, there's a lot more to what was going on to make this an unbearable relationship, but you get the idea. I've just given you the tip of the iceberg so you can appreciate how God delivered her. It felt very much like the parting of the Red Sea for Moses and the Israelites. There were lots of little parting of the waters all along the way. About two and a half years ago, this relative and her daughter moved out of the house into their own apartment when she realized the marriage could not be salvaged. It was her first glimmer of freedom. She had talked to the pastor of her church and explained the situation, and naturally the pastor wanted to try to help save the marriage and invited husband and wife to talk. But after seeing for himself the husband's behavior and attitude, not to mention his refusal to admit any wrongdoing, the pastor quickly realized our relative was in a very abusive marriage and that it was a danger to her emotional, spiritual, and physical health to remain in the relationship. Now, I just have to say here that I am deeply grateful for this pastor, who's a member of a denomination which sometimes insists that a wife would stay with an abusive spouse no matter what in the effort to redeem the relationship. But this pastor and the church as a whole supported our relative to seek a divorce. And she had tried to save the marriage. In addition to talking to their pastor, she got him to go to a counseling session. But he refused to go back because, in his mind, he didn't have a problem. The counselor said it was the most severe case of narcissism she had ever seen. Well, the divorce process took about two and a half years to be resolved and was finalized this last spring. All of a sudden, she had to get the house ready to sell, following the direction of the court after the divorce. Once again, the husband did nothing to help but instead tried to hinder the process. He had been living in the house all this time and had never done anything to take care of it or to keep it clean. 
When he was forced by the court to move out so it could be sold, the place was a complete dump with trash and piles of paper everywhere. He was a hoarder, and it looked like he had every piece of paper, every magazine, and every book he had ever read spread out all over the place in piles. Here again, the members of our relative's church came to the rescue. A virtual army of people came over for six weeks to clean, repair, and paint, along with whatever else needed to be done to get the house ready to sell. During all this time, our relative was also being undermined at work. A younger person had come into the department and slowly usurped her position and authority. The work environment had become toxic, just like her marriage had. Even though she didn't feel she could afford to retire, she decided that was the best thing to do and was able to turn in her retirement paperwork at the very last minute before a policy change took effect that would seriously downsize her retirement benefits. All during this time, we were praying, her church was praying, and this family member and her daughter were praying for God to show them what to do next. Each step of the way was made clear just when it was needed. The Red Sea parted so many times, it was so inspiring to watch. Then, a couple of months ago, the daughter applied for a teaching job in another state. She got the job, and her mother decided to apply for a teaching job in that same school system. She also was hired. The only problem was, by that time, they both had to report for work in just a couple of weeks. That meant they had to pack up everything in their apartment, find a place to live in the new state, and move in a very short period of time. But the Red Sea continued to part, and things kept falling in place. My wife and I flew out to help her finish packing. She rented two trucks, a 26-foot and a 16-foot, and hired three men to pack the trucks on a Saturday. That Sunday, we got to go to church with her and meet this amazing pastor and congregation who had been so loving and supportive. It was really rewarding to be able to thank them in person for all they had done. Early Monday morning, we left for what should have been about an eight-hour drive, but turned out to be 12 because the 26-foot truck wouldn't go over 50 miles per hour. My wife drove the 26-footer. I drove the 16-footer. Mother and daughter followed in their car with Susie, their dog. We arrived exhausted but grateful late that evening in their new state and spent the night with her sister in a nearby town. The next day, Tuesday, three guys came to unload the trucks. My wife and I had planned to leave early Wednesday morning but quickly realized we needed to stay longer to help get everything situated. On Wednesday and Thursday, we helped her unpack all the kitchen boxes, arrange the furniture, and hang pictures. We left late in the day on Thursday, and the next day, both mother and daughter started their new jobs. Now, they still have a whole lot of boxes to go through, but they're settled, and they can handle that. The interesting thing is that the week we were needed to help in this move was the only week we could have both been there, and it was very clear that we both needed to be there. Their lives had been a whirlwind of activity for months, 
culminating in the last two weeks with the unexpected move, new jobs, and a new home. But the Red Sea continued to part, and every detail fell into place each step of the way. Now, you may be thinking, hey, James, this is not quite so big a deal as the parting of the Red Sea was. And in one way, you're absolutely right. There were not over a million people trying to get from one place to another with a powerful army pursuing them. But if you've ever been in a toxic relationship or work environment, there may not literally be 600 Egyptian war chariots charging toward you, but it can sure feel like it. Having prayed each step of the way, seen how everything fell into place and how every obstacle had been overcome in unexpected and surprising ways, Over the last three years, the parting of the Red Sea is an incredible metaphor for how God delivered this family member and her daughter from an abusive and toxic marriage and an abusive and toxic work environment. Now, this situation may not be anything even close to a challenge you may be having, but it shows the power of God to bring solutions to a problem. It shows the power of God to close and open doors. It shows God's attention to every detail. God still parts the Red Sea in whatever way is needed. And it also shows the true spirit of how a church can be supportive and helpful. The cool thing is, the church members saw the results of their prayers and support. They saw firsthand God in action in the life of our relative. How would your church respond in a similar situation? This family member has a much stronger faith than she did before. She told us she has never felt so loved by God and so many other people. Does this mean she won't have any more challenges in life? Of course not. Just because the Israelites saw the parting of the Red Sea and got to the other side, didn't mean their faith would not be put to the test in the future. Sometimes their faith would falter. Sometimes it would hold strong. And this is true for our relative, and it's true for you and me. But we remember the times God has parted the Red Sea in the past, and it strengthens us to meet the challenges in the future. In fact, all throughout the Bible, people continued to remember this event to strengthen their faith in their own times. After the rebuilding of Jerusalem's wall under the supervision of Nehemiah, the Levites prayed to God acknowledging, this is Nehemiah 9, 9, you saw the suffering of our ancestors in Egypt. You heard their cry at the Red Sea. The book of Psalms has multiple reminders of what God did at the Red Sea. Here's just one example. This is Psalm 106, 9. He rebuked the Red Sea, and it dried up. He led them through the depths as through a desert. And in the New Testament, Stephen mentions the parting of the Red Sea in his defense before the high priest. This is Acts 7:36. He reminds everyone that God led them out of Egypt, and performed wonders and signs in Egypt, at the Red Sea, and for forty years in the wilderness. The parting of the Red Sea was part of their heritage. Let it be a part of ours as well. 
One of the lessons that this family member learned, and in fact, her whole church family saw this, is that God never sends or condones a toxic, abusive relationship. He delivers us from it. God was not testing our relative to see if she was faithful. He was opening her eyes to see the abuse for what it was and providing a way to remove her from it. God didn't cause the problem. The situation was a result of how her husband used his theology to justify his bad behavior. One of the other lessons here is that God often requires us to go forward, even as he did with the Israelites in front of the Red Sea, even before the water is parted and the way to go appears. Now, as I said earlier, you may not have been in this kind of a challenge, but the fact that God will part the Red Sea, so to speak, to deliver you from harm, regardless of what the problem is, gives us hope. Is there a Red Sea in front of you right now? Is there something that seems to keep you from going forward at the same time when evil forces are closing in on you? Remember the children of Israel and how the Red Sea was parted for them. Remember the experience I just related of our family member who was delivered from an abusive relationship and job environment. And remember how God has helped you in the past. And if you're not having a Red Sea moment, then I hope you'll be alert to help someone who is, just like the church members and pastor helped our relative and her daughter. Sometimes these Red Sea moments are not so big. Sometimes they are enormous. But God is always able and willing to deliver his children, that's you and me, from abuse, from a toxic environment, or from evil of any kind. Thank you so much for listening today. I really appreciate you being here. If you know someone who needs to hear today's episode, please share it with them. And if you're in a similar situation and need some spiritual support, please reach out. I would love to hear from you. Go to my website, thebiblespeakstoyou.com and click on the contact tab. Just fill out that form and I'll be in touch. If you haven't subscribed yet to the podcast, you can do that on the website, thebiblespeakstoyou.com and just click on the subscribe tab in the menu bar, fill out the form and you're all set. And when you sign up, I'll send you a prayer guide I put together called Praying with the Mindset of Jesus. If you'd like to see all the Bible quotes I mentioned in this episode, or if you'd like to read a full transcript of the program today, go to thebiblespeakstoyou.com forward slash 202. This is episode 202. And if you're listening on a podcast app, I'll have that link in the description. I want to thank you so much for being here and for all your support. That's it for this week. I'm James Early with the Bible Speaks to You podcast. Have a great week. Take care, and we'll see you next time. God bless.